0: Episode 64, 64 of F&I Rap Chat on the Headstuff Podcast Network. As always, you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, yeah, bit of news this week. How's everyone doing out there? Uh, we have a sponsor. We've We have a sponsor working with us now. Wonderful company, which you might have heard of with the name of wildcard distribution um, and they will be working with us to uh, develop some interesting opportunities for our listeners and uh just generally being sound out there in the ether and helping out uh the future generations of Irish filmmakers and directors and just uh just uh being very 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 cool and supportive uh, which we really really appreciate. So uh, massive shout out to uh, uh, to Patrick and Suzanne there, uh, and all the rest of the of the team. They've got a really interesting slate coming out now over the next while. Uh, They're um, obviously uh, some more international orientated fair, but a massive supporter of Irish film, taking some serious risks on some really, really, really interesting filmmakers over the last since two thousand and thirteen, twelve. So. Uh, a great company uh, of good people uh, supporting uh, future generations of Irish filmmakers. As always, if you'd like to support FNI Rap Chat, you can head on over to uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. And, uh, yeah, buy us a coffee, two sugars, a drop of milk. Um, and if we see it in town, we will uh, buy you one back if we recognise you. Um So yeah, today we have a a really, really lovely person, um, a director, uh, um, a woman working in film and television uh, with the name of uh, Imogen Murphy, who is uh, um, a TV director um, and and somebody who's worked in a number of roles over the last couple of years uh, in documentary and shorts and Um, uh, someone who has just worked incredibly hard to get where she is and has a wonderful new TV show, um, which she's currently working on called Dead Still, which is a co-production which is produced by Deadpan Pictures and some really, mostly Irish cast as well, really ambitious uh, TV show, uh, historically orientated TV show. So keep an eye out for that in the near future, as well as some other bits she has, uh on the horizon coming out. Um she's also worked on Cancope Wow as director, Red Rock um Cry Rosa, really interesting short, addressing uh uh some really important issues about about uh about uh, kids uh growing up uh a mixed, mixed race uh child growing up in Ireland. Um and yeah she is a legend so Without any further ado, uh, Imogen Murphy, thanks for listening. And uh, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah. Um, it's actually nice to be here doing this because I'm locked in an edit room. So nice to just get a break from the nitty gritty of cutting tiny little frames out of a show to make it better.
0: Yeah, it's great yeah. going from like one small warm room to another small warm room. Yeah, and on a beautifully sunny day. How's that going?
1: Uh, it's good. We're um, It's going very well. We uh, It's a show we are not long wrapped filming mm-hmm. and we just picture locked on ep one, okay. pretty much this morning. So that's always a good feeling.
0: You seem really positive, so I must be well.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, you have your ups and downs. Uh, editing is a really, you know, such a contrast to shooting. Oh. And I came direct from literally finish the shoot Friday night into the edit Monday morning. And of course, you're looking forward to a bit of calm and, you know, sit with the editor and, someone might bring you a coffee and it's lovely. <laughs> but um, after a few days, then you, you start, of course, hankering back to being out there shooting and being busier and and the liveliness and the, the craziness of shooting, which, which I do like.
0: Yeah. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer kind of putting the jigsaw puzzle together or throwing all the pieces out on the table?
1: I probably prefer the shooting part of it because uh, there are unexpected things to come when you're shooting. Yeah. Um, And the lovely surprises that come and the, you know, at the time, what seem like catastrophes (laughs) to come. So that unexpected thing and bringing the thing to life, you know, you see a thing coming to life in front of you. You The actress do something amazing or you find a lovely location that works. The light comes in. Oh, everyone's ready to go shoot. It's beautiful. Um, In the edit, it's enjoyable solving the problems, but there is nothing really new. Okay. You know all the material so that's kind of that's one big difference, and that 's why i 'm probably a bit more inspired by shooting rather than editing
0: mm. and uh, that's am i so am i right in assuming that's dead still is it? yes uh this okay. is
1: dead still it 's a six part um mystery drama series and and it's made well for a few a few crowds all over the world but here <laughs> yeah. in Ireland it's RTE who will be showing it uh, at some point. And Deadpan and Deadpan out. Pictures yeah. uh, of Dublin um, produced it and, and we've actually had it with them for a couple of years yeah. uh, the project's been four or five years in the making uh, myself and John Morton who's the main writer on it we've been kind of working together on various things for years and uh, we had this tried to get it off the ground um, wrote a pilot mm-hmm. And kind of worked it's, it's
0: gone through a couple of different guises hasn't it up to this point? It has Wasn't yeah. Wasn't it a shorter form at the start? It was like actually
1: do you know what we were just thinking back about four or five years ago um, we wanted to put something in for RTE Storyland
0: Listen to that folks <laughs> you can take something you know, you know that was part of that initiative and go on and make it happen yeah. somewhere else you can.
1: It, it's slightly unbelievable because I think it's it's maybe the rarity, but that's not to say a thing doesn't happen. Now, it didn't take a direct route. It didn't yeah. go in. In fact, we put it into Storyland and we, we you know, made a promo, one minute promo or something like that. Mm-hmm. They didn't really love it or they just didn't think we could exploit it in the Storyland format because it's actually a period drama. So that costs money. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I get it. It didn't work for them. But then we, we went, no, we won't give up on it. and We'll, we'll pursue further developed yeah. it. Then once Deadpan got involved, you know, Paul Donovan and there went and uh, miraculously raised the finance <laughs> um, for us to shoot. Yeah, so it's a period drama, six one hours. It's a it's a um, weighty enough project, but yeah. it's been, been great. Really to get. ambitious.
0: It's like really like the type of project that we should be making.
1: Yeah, I think it's something a bit different. I yeah. mean, it's got a lot of humour in it too. It's There's comedy kind of elements in it. It's not a straight telling. It's a little bit askew. Yeah,
0: yeah. And um, it's mostly an Irish cast, isn't it? It
1: is mostly, I think, it is mostly an Irish cast. We have one or two Americans, Canadians, but the the lead cast are all Irish.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful to see. Yeah, um, So... Yeah, like, I don't want to push you because you probably can't talk a great deal about it because it's still not made. It's like asking you how the house is being built and it's like, well, the foundations are there, so can't tell you (laughs) what colour the walls are going to be. Can I go back to kind of when you started out? Um, Tell us a little bit about how it all happened for you. Um, Were you kind of film-centric when you were younger? Um, Was it something that was paramount in your mind or did it just kind of happen by accident?
1: Um i you know I was younger and grew up with no there was nothing around me um to suggest filmmaking okay. um and I started, nobody in my family there was no connections, nothing like that, so I would have said you know there was nothing leading me there um but actually thinking a bit more deeply uh on it, I'd have to say, you know in my family, particularly my parents and particularly my dad would have been they were kind of just big film fans, <laughs> and um I was brought to the cinema i think at, you know, maybe too young an age um, to see some really decent movies. I think yeah. there was a re-release of 2001, A Space Odyssey. Wow. My dad brought me and my cousin aged, I think, like seven or eight along to watch it. And when I came out, the mind was totally blown uh, into pieces from watching <laughs> that. But every kind of genre of film, it was just a thing in my family, I suppose, that films were talked about. And I later found out my granddad, um, who's gone now, actually ran a little portable a cinema and brought around films in Cork which is where I grew up no so perhaps there was something back then but it didn't come to me as something that I could practically do until really you know leaving home time e- even past the kind of like what will I go to college what would I do so it took a while to realize this is possible mm-hmm. Um, and then when it did I kind of had to push a bit I, how can you do this you know in Ireland in the mid 90s mm-hmm. how are you going to get into you know you just left school how are you going to get into college did it seem implausible it seemed a little implausible and it seemed like well I'll give it a shot but there are no guarantees here nobody else is really doing it but I went to Dunleary College yeah. uh, now IADT and you know that, that was certainly um, opened up an understanding of things but even after that even after graduating from Dunleary um okay there's no jobs there's nothing going <laughs> right. on right yes how many you know free indie little films do you want to work on before you go up listen
0: so you must have been kind of obviously you we're doing bits and pieces and some shorts and stuff but you were kind of you know banging your head against a wall for a while were you
1: yeah, there wasn't. To be honest with you, there was really nothing out there. Now, I suppose the other option was uh, leg it out of Ireland, as some of my contemporaries from Dunleary did, yeah. and they've certainly, you know, some of the people in the years ahead ahead of me, the likes of Robbie Ryan, those kind of people, they they work now. They I've kind heard. of probably made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, what happened with me is I ended up kind of sidelong getting, I suppose, to work as in proper paid jobs in TV, but not as I expected. I I had been doing little drama short films and a a couple of producers in Dublin saw them and just asked me in to have a chat about doing some of their programmes, which were documentary Mm programmes. So, you know, this was probably like my first paying job you know, it was such a delight to do something, be in the world and be paid that I said, oh, I'm very happy. I'm to do so this lucky day.
0: and so grateful to do yeah, this you in, know, in, in, in any form, in
1: any format. Yeah. And you ring your mum and say, oh, I've <laughs> been paid an actual salary. Um, <laughs> so I went in. I kind of did that job for them, though, to be honest with you, much as I love documentary as a viewer, mm. I, I hadn't ever pursued it in college or anything. I was always drama focused, but did the one job. It did very well, got nominated for an IFTA and then I stayed working in that genre and with that company for about, I mean, almost 10 years.
0: Mm. So and the best 10 years of your life, clearly.
1: It was it was a really good 10 years. I mean, it was very doable. I, I reckon I could have kept on going like that mm. forever. And I loved going around Ireland with little crews and we went abroad a lot to shoot stuff. That was all great. But towards the end of it, I was getting a little bit...
0: Itchy feet for something. It,
1: itchy feet and just going, I've kind of done this now... And I can rock up and do it again. It's not challenging me as much. Mm-hmm. And then actually that was combined. It was around like, I think 2008, RTE, um, really, you know, along with the crash, of course, mm-hmm. their budgets just dropped. So they'd been given, you know, really decent budgets for really good storytelling documentaries. And then suddenly there was no money anywhere. And the only thing that was being put out was, you know, redecorate your house, redecorate your garden shows. Mm-hmm. So Which is great if you
0: want to redecorate your house.
1: <laughs> they are. I mean, they're very um, soothing to watch. But um, I kind of knew. Look, I don't want to go this far, so I just said, "Look, let's try and get out, and let's try and do what I went to film college for, and mm. and what I love to watch." And what, was the, was
0: the, what was the, tip the, and po- the tipping point, and what was the project that did that for you?
1: Um, I guess uh, actually, I, I just wanted to shoot any drama, you know. And I I had tried to keep up doing shorts, but they would take three months out of your life when you were, you know, trying to do those documentaries you were get pa- getting paid for. Yeah, yeah. So I went over to see could I, there was no drama work going on in Dublin nothing to do and so I said I will put a, just step across the water a little bit and went over to Liverpool and uh, did a block of Hollyoaks to still long running soap yeah. and that was really challenging I have got to say you know it's it's I'd say I think it's challenging for anyone it's such a fast paced show and you, you go in as fairly you know a newbie in drama. Mm-hmm. You got a huge cast and a very like active kind of marketing and following for that show. But I had a really nice experience because the people working on it were lovely. Loads of Irish Irish linked people around Liverpool. Mm. So I kind of went. This was really tough. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but I did that. Now it survived. <laughs> it was broadcast.
0: Like that was a little bit crazy and I got through that. Yeah. Busy in, 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 like in, in, in the sense of it being a massive operation.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think it did, you know, what, what for a lot of people is a little bit challenging at first is the whole rigmarole and, and kind of surrounding elements of shooting drama and working with a big crew, yeah. all of that. That's before you even get to like, how can I put my stamp on it or how can I do something original with it? You know, in a soap, really, it's a format. So you've got to follow that. So it was really good training, to To learn to do that and then not be phased any longer by mm-hmm. a big crew, a big cast, a kind of a, a machine, really, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
1: so that was great. And I, I definitely would say to anyone kind of starting, if if you get any chance to work in, whether it's Fair City here or any shows here um, or, or uh, in the UK.
0: Don't be afraid of the enormity of it. Yeah, because
1: yeah. that's just really, that's just getting yourself familiar with it. Um, it's just methods. It's yeah. like, it's a little bit like slightly learning a bit of a new language and you don't have to be totally fluent. You just have to know the key words, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Do you find, uh, just since we're on the subject of TV shows, for example, you talk about entering a, pr- excuse the, phrase, but, uh, the phrasing, but like a production line soap mm. or a show like that. Mm. Is it easier to kind of come in on something where the tone and the characters have been set? And you're kind of, you know, you kind of know where the parameters are, and you're kind of, a, a i suppose, a gun for her in, in, in a way. Or is it, e- or is it not easier? Well, or is it easier? Or you feel as if you have more control when you're starting from when you're building what you're building now, for example.
1: Yeah, I mean, the two are are very different things, and um, I suppose, of course, the advantage you come into a show like like the show I've just worked on. Um, where I'd been on it at a script stage and you really feel you're creating the characters from then and yeah. go- going in as a director and you're, you know, every little decision, be it the casting, the costume, the locations, you're you're over everything and that's great and, you know, every director is uh, I think a secret <laughs> control freak or not so secret. So that's lovely because you really can put your stamp on it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's certainly taxing like it's demanding on you for time and you kind of get to a point in prep on a show like that where you go, okay, the, the world has been set up, the, you know, everything is in place, you know, oh shit, I'm I'm directing this in one week's time, I've got to plot out my plan for direction, I've got to, <laughs> you know, got to try and rehearse with the actors, so it, it's kind of two skills.
0: Yeah. Are you a rehearser, director?
1: Do you yeah. Like to rehearse? I, I love to rehearse. Um, as always, you don't get enough rehearsal, and I think everyone's aware of that, but so far, I've been lucky to, you know, in everything I've done to be able to get some rehearsal. It's getting less and less so. And I meet actors coming on saying, oh, we're going to have a, a two hour rehearsal. Oh, wow. They're delighted because on their previous shows, they got nothing. Mm. Just walk onto the set and go, hello, shake hands and then act. I <laughs> I just don't know how uh, they do that. Uh, what I found at rehearsal, even if it's just meeting for a cup of coffee, chat about the role, it pays off 10 times when you're on the floor and you're directing, and the actor's there, and, you know, now you can communicate. You've something in common. Yeah. So to me, it's never wasted, and I always grab anything, like late night, Skype call, whatever it is, get, grab that bit of rehearsal. It's so to valuable. To try and get
0: that repartee or, or shorthand in some way, just to exactly. gra- have something tangible to work from.
1: Exactly. it's yeah, It's yeah. all about connection, really, and I think it's all about trust. You, you know, whether planned or not, you find yourself at times, you know, on set and asking something of an actor you didn't know you'd have to ask and if there's some bit of trust there then okay, you've got a chance <laughs> so that's where those little bits of rehearsal meeting, connecting yeah. whatever it is, sending music whatever it might be, it just all builds that up
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it sounds like paramount to making it real Yeah, Yeah. totally um, How do you and this is, some, this is a question we often ask people who come on because we obviously, you know, we're all operating in a tiny little country which has, uh, you know, massive ideas above its station in terms of what we do in the world. How do you deal with kind of knockbacks, rejection, mindfulness in those scenarios um, through your career so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, do you know, when it comes to rejection, um, the, the thing, you know, or knockbacks or project knockbacks. Going off the ro- getting off the road or not getting a job or something like that. Honestly, the way for me, I've always dealt with it is going. Okay, that wasn't great. I don't feel particularly good, but but I think to myself, of all the actors I know who are literally knocked back, maybe four or five times a week if they've gone up for four or five jobs and I just go to me nothing compares my feeling of rejection <laughs> just cannot compare um, so I always feel you actors you know At, least, at, l-
0: least, at least we're not getting individually rejected thank God.
1: <laughs> this uh, is it and you're not being rejected because of your face or your hair or your yeah. accent or you know I, at least I hope Paul though maybe it's, it's there was one or two <laughs> <laughs> No it happens
0: <laughs> Um, um what What do you think is the most important lesson you've learned over the years in terms of where you are now? What would you kind of say to yourself i don't know fifteen years ago twenty years ago when you were starting out with all this uh, let's say five years ago when you're starting out out of college
1: um very good, like that um you know I'm still absolutely learning all the time and i'm I've also learned lessons that I have to refresh for myself mm-hmm. um And, you know, you mentioned mindfulness there a minute ago. And that's something I've actually started doing uh, in terms of my work. And, you know, particularly in the lead up to a job when things are so busy, you're under so much pressure as a director. Mm -hmm. um, Especially if you're not just the step in and do one episode director, um, which I also like to do. So it's about kind of minding yourself as part of the production, the same way you'd look after a HOD or an actor who was maybe tired or having a difficulty so mm-hmm. to kind of mind yourself a little bit give yourself a bit of time do whatever your thing is is it a bit of exercise meditation yoga whatever the hell it is don't let that go in the rush to i must get i must take every box i must get everything done mm-hmm. it's like don't forget you need you as well yeah, you need you yeah. on set and you know somebody said you would be working out shots and scenes the night before and sometimes going and getting one hour extra sleep We'll give you so much more the next morning. Yeah. So that's something I'm trying to kind of pick up on. But if you ask me about going back like 10, 15 years ago or something, I'd probably say to myself, not to worry as much. Um (laughs) you know, about about people or about, you know, maybe putting too much importance on the big gig or the big job you want, or a big producer, or oh, this actor is coming to set. It's kind of seeing that everyone is a person and it's all just problem solving. And yeah, sometimes things get frustrating and difficult and, you know, Mm -hmm. just kind of don't worry so much. It's about, see the big goal at the end. It's about getting whatever project is done and everyone feeling as good as they can about it.
0: Do you think there's anything to be said? In the UK, I think, recently they launched, it's like... um not so much a... I suppose it's kind of a mindfulness kind of helpline for people specifically working in film and TV. Not to the point, I don't think, where they get to a point where it's overwhelming and, mm. you know... Mm. But certainly to know that there was... an Do you think that maybe some organisations over here, state-run organisa- film organisations could potentially invest in something like that or the idea of having you know I mean it's not uncommon in in sporting terms in clubs where they have you know a sports psychologist performance uh, psychologist yeah. those type of things just someone who's on call like our you know you know, our forensic uh, pathologist mm-hmm. that comes mm-hmm. in on every job who's hired in to be there for everybody to be that soundboard for whatever it might be, yeah, you know? wouldn't you, would it, like do you think it would clamp? It would clamp out some of that kind of irrational or silly behavior we see on set sometimes.
1: I mean, if they're... I'm thinking of the character in in Billions, you know, who psychoanalyzes <laughs> the the multi million makers. I mean, that person would just be very busy on set um, all the time. I don't know if it could They'd if make if it could a work. Fortune. <laughs> They'd make a fortune. I don't know if it would work precisely in that way, but I think it's actually a very valid point, and it's it's overlooked a bit. Yeah. Um, In in terms of whether it's uh, at the level of organisations that are here in terms of, you know, the organisations that represent directors or actors, producers as well. Mm -hmm. um, And those that represent crew perhaps could think of having someone there. If you needed to, you could go and maybe just have a phone call or sounding off if if some issue was bothering you. Mm -hmm. It can be very difficult, especially if the pressureful issue is regarding a production you're on right now you know you might not want to go to the producer and saying say i'm having problems because it might be seen as a weakness Mm -hmm. or the issue could be involving something connected with the overall production so you might not want to get into those details but there you're right in that there isn't a lot of room um on productions to look after people's mental health that that probably is something that needs to come Mm. Uh, people work very long hours. Crews in Ireland are just amazing. Mm-hmm. Actors are amazing. People stay after a long day to do an hour rehearsal for tomorrow. Um, they really give probably more than they should sometimes in terms of time and effort. So it would be nice to protect that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, that that was very heavy, wasn't it? Um, uh, yeah, but, you know, good to... Put those things in, and then people are maybe less worried about talking about them as well, you know?
0: Yeah, I, it's a common thing. I mean, we had we had John Butler on a while ago, and mm. he was talking about his force feature and the force kind of setup he had in mm. the forest. And he was like, think he had some issues with ladders or something. And he was like, <laughs> something went wrong anyway, mm. but something along the lines of, he kind of got down from the ladder after like a mishap, and he was like, "I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go home." <laughs> <laughs> and if I didn't have, you know, ten people to like an- to answer to, I would have just went straight home. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So the idea of, you know, I suppose when you're in charge, you are your own counsel. I guess.
1: Yeah, you don't really want anyone to get to that stage, though. Everyone well, becomes it becomes oh. a bit
0: Brando, you know, Brando and and. Mutiny on the Bounty-esque, you know. Damn.
1: Yeah, I mean, you do have to be careful because actually I was discussing with an actor on the show a couple of weeks ago, and um, we we're talking about a case of, uh, not in this country, yeah. but an actor um, who, you know, ended up walking off a show and actually ended up committing suicide from pressure. Now, that that's something that, you know, who knows what other elements were involved, but it would be nice to put in some little safeguard if people are under pressure, To have it uh, as, you know, coming from production or groups that represent filmmaking people or actors. uh, It's a great idea to get something in there. Just a small sounding board could head off a much bigger problem.
0: Yeah, I think there needs to be uh, more of a discussion about this, generally speaking. Uh, Yeah, like, do you think, now I know, do you think that the film industry is fair in this country?
1: Um, I mean, ultimately, the film industry and and TV industry, um, I mean, ultimately, there is the purpose is to make money and it is eventually, you know, on projects or when developing talent, to make profitable uh, projects for companies. Now, that's talking about production companies that run and work in Ireland. They can't survive if they make five projects and they flop. Mm. So, you know, that's always going to be there. Of course, then there's... Uh, there's remits of, of uh, organisations like Screen Ireland who, mm. who you know, are there, I suppose, and are funded by public funding. Mm. To and, and, and do their best, you know. Oh, absolutely. And part of their remit uh, is to kind of to promote Irish filmmaking, to promote Irish culture through that. So that Ireland like has a cultural voice. <laughs> Uh, in the world, um, because a lot of that is expressed nowadays through, you know, through something on the screen, whether it's film, TV, whatever else. So it's really important they do that. And that that then is not always linked to profitability. Yeah. So it, it can be, you know, th- those two things can butt heads sometimes in terms of fairness. Um, it, it's hard to say. I mean, you see some great projects never get off the ground. Mm-hmm. You see some projects being made that, you know, maybe needed a lot more work or a lot more development. Um no nobody is perfect and I think generally people are trying their best to, to get the best. Yeah, I don't think anybody
0: I, I would imagine nobody looks at something and goes or, or thinks or the thought process is, This is a bag of shit. I'm going to make this now <laughs> <laughs> like genuinely. Yeah. They yeah, may of they may go, Okay, you know, we're carrying a bit of extra weight here or there or this needs to change or whatever. But I don't think anybody so I think everybody approaches it in earnest, no matter how bad of a project, it happens to turn out mm. for whatever reason. Mm. Um, so yeah, I suppose it's 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 subjective in that regard.
1: It is. And I mean, there's another element which, you know, anybody uh, working in the, the film or TV industry in, in the States will say, well, if you want to make an indie film there, I mean, okay, you, you start in a million different ways, but you don't have a state funded body like Screen Ireland. Yeah. Helping to develop you, or, or you know, paying for a first draft of a script. So in terms of fairness, you <laughs> know, we <laughs> certainly have a leg up that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, How far
0: do you want it? They're paying you to do it.
1: That's it. You know, I know we go maybe from the more European model here, yeah. and and that's a good thing because we are a really small country. I think we do need that bit of assistance, and it's important to kind of bigger picture to to have a voice out there so that you know the tax paying people who are nothing to do with film. And some of their money is being spent by, you know, on films, et cetera, by Screen Ireland, by Ortiz, whatever. It's important as well to create productions that your average Irish person can actually be proud of mm-hmm. to to be seen like this is this is working this is having an effect. Every Irish person is proud of, you know, whether it's a sporting cultural achievement. You know what we're like. Mm. And it's important to keep that in mind too. Let's let's let people allow people to be proud of what we
0: we do. You know. Yeah, absolutely, and it's you know uh, charity starts at home. So you know, support hashtag mm. support Irish film and TV. You got us. Um, w- w- do you think? Um, How do you think the whole whole gender parity scenario is panning out so far from uh, a a female director's perspective?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of changes in the last couple of years, of course, um, in terms of gender parity. um, All of the movements that have started worldwide are obviously focused on um, somehow getting some kind of equality in terms of screen work that's... Created by or represents women on screen mm-hmm. um, so kind of ultimately to go to the root of it uh, the point of it from from my perspective is uh, let's you know there's there's a whole new generation of kids coming up and let the female half of that generation be able to see on screen role models characters that reflect them challenges that they can identify with and let's not have it be so male dominated, that's just a simple issue of fairness or equality yeah. and it seems to me that the kind of movements and organisations both here in Ireland and elsewhere that have been set up to promote that are trying to trying to kind of achieve that so there's more parity and representation on the screen and also in terms of employment so that there's not a perception, oh well, your cameraman will be a man yeah, <laughs> that there's, yeah, yeah. A, there's you know employment equality as well um, it's it's t- a
0: simple matter of fairness. Fairness, yeah. al- al- albeit running r- running pretty quickly to catch up. It's a matter of fairness and equality, and I should be treated as such. And as a father, as a father of a young girl, hmm. um, you know, chances are she'll probably end up, whether I like it or not, doing stuff not dissimilar to what I do. Mm-hmm. I'd like her to be able to get that to be in that room. Yeah, you know, to be that one person in that room. In that ITV room recently, you know, or whatever room. Yeah. Um. Obviously through merit, and I hope she's amazing. (laughs) But I'd like her, you know, or any young girl, you know. Um. And I think that's I think that's a wonderful thing. It, Um,
1: It is, and I and I think you know, for me, actually, fundamentally, it's not even about employment, or you know, it's nothing kind of even to do with me personally. But I'm, you know, I have five nieces. And I'm sure they won't all do film. I hope they don't, <laughs>
0: but don't be successful' we'll care <laughs> um
1: but you know it would be nice to think that they will watch um films or t v or whatever else on the screen and see role models for any job you know, yeah. see lead characters who are female, and they they could have any occupation whatsoever, but now there's something to identify with mm-hmm. so it's not kind of the the very sad old days of oh girls were going to in school we' going to be a nurse, or they were going to you know do something that was in the supposedly female uh, sectors of employment yeah if, you know for the betterment of everyone i think it's it's important that young girls see they can do anything That's,
0: yeah it's breaking that mold isn't it it's like no i can be whatever i want to be and i need to see that accurately represented in the media in entertainment
1: and everywhere else yeah yeah i mean where it does get tricky of course is is where uh, things like uh, quotas and Um, you know those kind of limits have been asked for or or introduced Mm. because ideal world uh, we wouldn't have quotas we wouldn't need them you know for anybody for any race for any gender or anything like that of course but uh, you know i i have certainly come around to the idea that quotas in in perhaps sometimes a limited form or for a limited amount of time or something like that can help to get a familiarity and ease of women working in film and tv so that With the idea that the platform then
0: just levels out. Yeah, I think people are being way too harsh about that. And a lot of kind of male filmmakers, and it doesn't, uh, you know, a lot of people I know who are really great people. And it doesn't come from a place of misogyny or Mm -hmm. anything like that. It's just like, you know, and I'm sure you've heard it, the best person for the job, the best script should get all this X, Y and Z. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen regardless of the issue that's happening anyway. So that's another separate issue, I think. Yeah. It's like the best scripts aren't always being picked mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who writes it. Yeah. So kind of get your head around that first. Yeah. You know, without picking specifically zeroing zero, zeroing in on that and saying, mm. well, that's why. Yeah. That's why. You didn't read the six. So don't assume that you know.
1: Yeah.
0: You know they were amazing. Yeah. Because they probably weren't, and probably not. Female-led or driven,
1: yeah, and and it's uh, to me it's all about familiarity. Mm-hmm. If you know script readers or funders are getting more and more used to seeing female names on scripts or heading up projects, it just becomes the norm. It's not really even addressed. Oh, here's a uh, here's a script by a, a female writer. Yeah. So familiarity just allows the the playing field to become more even. And you know, look at look at what's happening in women's football. Yeah, um, even, it's yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. taking off because it's familiar. It's familiar, and soon, you know, I would imagine in a number of years, I don't know how many, I think people will look back on the days when you know the World Cup final was was men playing only, yeah. um, will just seem absolutely bizarre and antiquated.
0: Yeah, well, you know, um, if you want to make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs, don't you? And it's kind of that's kind of the the way it needs to be. It's like you're, yeah. Every some people are going to have their toes stood on, you know, for whatever reasons. But in order to achieve a level of fairness and 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 uh, I, I, I suppose a deeper and greater sense of humanity, we we need to do things. To to speed things up,
1: yeah, I think so. It's like any change, right? You know, any change comes with ruffling a few feathers, and, and look what we've done in Ireland. You know, with gay equality and marriage, oh, it's, it's, it's
0: incredible. Everybody should be incredibly proud of our exactly,
1: country. Um, and and of course some. Some people might get upset, but, you know, once the, the playing field is leveled, then everyone, you know, what we really want to do is forget about all this. It doesn't matter about the gender. Let's just get on and make really good projects. Yeah, you know. and just wait for time
0: to pass because idiots get bred out eventually. Well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it'll take
0: a while, but, you know.
1: Yeah, it takes, it does take time, but um, um, I, I'm optimistic. Uh,
0: just one or two questions before I let you go. Um, what a, <laughs> what's good writing?
1: Oh, Jesus. Um, that in, is a tough question.
0: In two, in two
1: minutes or less. In two minutes or less. I don't know, you know, I don't know in a nutshell what good writing is, but I, I know when you read a good script, the, there are a few pointers immediately uh, that stand out and they are generally associated with a good script. So if you see that scenes and characters have been worked on you can kind of feel the layers of work that have been done. Yeah. Um, it's it's you know that may be drafts or it may just be the writer's process. Uh, something has been worked on to such an effect that um, it's making it really palatable. You know, it's like cooking a dish. Mm-hmm. You've got to refine everything, you've got to taste it, and you've got to maybe make it twelve times before it comes out right. And you can see that on the page versus something that is like someone had a great idea and they kind of lashed it out and they polished it a bit there is a difference. Um and the other thing I, I suppose you see is that the 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 power of a good idea, you know, in, in terms of story, um, the, the unexpected uh turn in a script that, that yet is seems completely like it was meant to be, I think those things actually generally come out of good character writing. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a lack of cliche in character. There's nothing more refreshing than to read um a, a character who you think you've never come across before. Mm. Um so I think it's for for people to you know when writers invest that much in their characters then I I always feel safe reading it and I know I'm in for something interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um I but I wish I could say exactly what good writing is because then um we could you know we could all do it and uh I guess t- it doesn't f-
0: it doesn't feel like you're reading, does it?
1: It it doesn't. I I read a script recently um and I think it took me 55 minutes and it was, you know, a 120 <gasps> page script. And literally at the end, I went no way that I didn't look up from it. Now that's rare. That was a really well written script. Yeah, that's
0: really, really, really good writing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is exactly. Yeah. Yes. But
0: I suppose that's the uh, that's the end goal, isn't it?
1: It is. I think it's you know like, like uh, as as any writers say, uh, and I write a bit, but kind of at the story level rather than getting into to scripting. But when you're into scripting, it's it's redrafts and redrafts, and and doing that all perhaps before. Before showing it to anybody else mm. before all the heads come in and all all the notes come in, try and get the core of what you wanted to say in a really good form before it might get uh, affected by other people
0: refine 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 yeah. refine 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 sure. yeah, there 's too many people out there who think they're, they're, they can write rocky you know yeah it 's difficult like i 've been week, in, you
1: know? yeah i 've been in a situation where we had a good script it it, it wasn 't fully there by any means, but um other people in terms of funders, et cetera, came in and, you know, on that occasion, it's a while back now, but it, it yeah. the thing did get diluted down. And then we, we you know, the thread was lost. So, ideally... Get it really strong, and and then's the time to bring in other people, and then mm-hmm. you're getting something positive from their notes, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And fight for yourself as well, you know, because yeah. it can go either way. I'd imagine. Yes, you, know, you can lose it. it. Can lose its sense of identity and its magic. Exactly. There's too many people involved.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but how do you fight the
0: system? That's another podcast. <laughs> uh, listen, thank you so much for coming in.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, thank you, um, and very best of luck with. Um, what's the name of the show again?
1: The name of the show uh, period mystery drama is Dead Still.
0: Dead Still and you have a short I, I believe a, a short coming out as well.
1: Um, yeah there's a couple of things coming out a, a short and um, did another uh, TV pilot recently so it's all all floating up in the air and some of these will land maybe end of this year maybe beginning of next year. Lovely. Uh, very best of luck. Thank you. I'm D'Arc I'm Alam Adjaka Dumi.
0: And I'm Pádraig O'Connig.
1: And we are part of the Motherfucker team. Motherfucker's podcast of words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland.
0: It comes every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. So join us for an irreverent and sometimes insightful but always exciting look
1: at the Irish language, Hiberno-English, and all sorts of word games at play. Biggie out.